Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Monday, December 25th. For the holiday week, we are replaying some of our top episodes from 2023. Today, we look back at a conversation from September 4th when Sun reporter Jason Blevins talked about the pushback from homeowners in some mountain towns who say they've had enough with the fees and taxes being put on their short-term rentals, and some are turning to the courts and suing local governments. Before we begin, a quick thank you to our members who make it possible for the Colorado Sun to bring you your news about our beautiful, complex state. If you aren't yet a member, consider joining now to support local journalism and gain access to member newsletters. Start your membership today at coloradosun.com join. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On Christmas Day in 1867, a festive gathering in Trinidad turned violent when a stagecoach driver and a local Hispano resident engaged in a wrestling match, leading to a broken leg and a riot. Ethnic tensions between Anglo and Hispanic residents escalated, culminating in a weeks-long conflict known as the Trinidad War. The driver escaped jail, causing further clashes, but was eventually chased out of town. Despite ten Hispanos losing their lives and numerous injuries, both communities eventually restored peace. Trinidad, founded in 1862 by Anglos and Hispanos together, had balanced cultural diversity with shared governance, but faced challenges like land disputes and the influx of Anglos after gold discoveries. The Trinidad riots highlighted underlying tensions and the area's potential, eventually leading to increased investment and transformation by the century's end. Before we continue, did you know the Colorado Sun has a mobile app? Get all of your Colorado news, whether you're in the car heading to holiday festivities or sitting on your couch enjoying your coffee. The app brings you everything from the Sun right to your mobile device. Learn more at coloradosun.com app. Next, our feature story. Let's do a little Monday outdoor session. How are things going, Jason? Doing well, DK. Working on a story. We've been talking about it for months. It's been a development in the mountains for the last couple of years. Interesting topic is always short-term rentals. Jason, let's kind of chat through. Uh, You've got a story coming up about some of the groups. You mentioned it in the Outsider magazine or newsletter um, the other day, last week. Some started to see some organized pushback from homeowners on some of these short-term rental uh, limits and caps and fees. JB, kind of wrap up what you've been collecting some string on on these uh, short-term renter pushbacks. Sure, um, been watching uh, you know lots of councils, a lot of county commissioner meetings over the past eighteen months or so, coming out of the pandemic as uh, there's been this. Crazy real estate boom that we've written a lot about. Prices have doubled in the eight kind of high country resort anchored um, counties uh, between 19, 2019 and 2021. That's fueled uh, a lot of homes that are being maybe transitioned over to short-term rentals. And a lot of communities, elected leaders are yanking on short-term regulation levers. They are imposing caps and limits and regulations and fees and taxes all kind of designed to maybe tap the brakes on what has been a, a decade plus of unfettered growth of short-term rentals in these communities. Lots of hearings, long, you know, several hour long hearings as commissioners and council people um, rolled through uh, possible, you know, ways to to corral this, this industry. Um, homeowners have, you know, testified and shared their opinions and 
now we're about 18 months in and we're starting to see homeowners kind of bit of backlash um, in Summit County. They are suing the county commissioners um, in federal court saying the recently adopted limit of 35 rentals a year, reservations a year, and unincorporated some county and a 2% uh, tax is, quote, a blunderbuss response. So they're suing right there. Group in Breckenridge that is raising money to file a lawsuit uh, against council there to um, fight that. Group in Salida is, is uh, working with the town council, pleading with the town council to lower a $15 per bedroom nightly tax. And then uh, Group in Pagosa Springs actually successfully sued to overturn and uh, overturn a, a nightly tax and different fees on um, short-term rentals. So there's just a bunch going on. We're about 18 months in to a lot of these new regulations. You know, data starting to kind of trickle in and, and we're seeing, you know, homeowners kind of stepping up and saying, I don't know if this, um, these rules and regulations are appropriate. Let's maybe revisit. So, Kind of an interesting time seeing, uh, you know, sort of a butting of heads and a balance between, uh, you know, this this industry, these individual property owners, property rights, tourism-based economies, a lot of things in the mix, pretty dynamic scene as uh, a lot of things are changing up in the high country. So let's talk about really what's at the, the crux of this big push back and forth, right, Jason? It's, you know, on one hand, communities are saying, these short-term rentals are taking units off the market that could have gone to the local workers, right? The worker bee uh, group. And then you've got homeowners saying, listen, I can't rent it out to locals, you know, because I want to do it this way. I can make more money this way. And me renting it out to a short-term is not causing your housing crisis, it's coming upon the communities, right? Is that kind of the back and forth? And what are you hearing on both sides, you know, the most recent conversation as far as that debate goes? Yeah, that's pretty much dead center. You know, the idea that, you know, short-term rental property owners are saying, I'm not the problem. You just went through 10 years of, you know, sitting around and not building any housing. So that's you know, this is a this is a local municipality leadership problem that is not ne- not necessarily the fault of short term rentals. Commissioners are saying, "Hey, look, you know, I, I I hear from neighbors in these neighborhoods all the time that are saying, you know, these homes are being turned into hotels, and there's you know hundreds of vacation homes in a in a place that used to have families, and that you know this is changing the very culture and backbone of our communities." Um, so. The idea is that, you know, there's, is there a way to find a balance? You hear that word all the time when you talk to the county commissioners and council people and the property owners and the industry advocates, they always say balance. Let's find a balance. Um, you know, you want to be able to protect the property rights of people who have homes and want to be able to kind of rent to whoever they feel like. Um, and then, you know, these properties are, are being treated like hotels and they are, um, you know, making money uh you know most of those property owners share you know i've I've spoken with a number of them who share their their inside numbers and they're not making bank you know they're not just you know pulling in tens of thousands of dollars a year uh they say you know they push almost all the money they make back into their community with 
landscapers, tradespeople, cleaners, managers, all the different folks who are sort of involved in a short-term rental. And they're driving the um, tourism-based economy because just like they haven't been building work workforce housing, they have not been building new hotels in the high country either. So if you want a tourism economy that continues to grow and is vibrant and you know supports all your retail restaurants and, and all the other visitor-based business operations in your community, you need places for tourists to sleep. And it's largely homes. There's 4,600 short-term rental licenses in Summit County right now, which is a lot, more than 2,000 are in Breckenridge alone. So this yeah. is a well, real big deal. But yeah, you, the idea is that property owners say they want to rent to whoever they want. Um, you know, many of them are spending, you know, top dollar. If you've come in and spent you know, a million plus bucks on a, on a house, are you going to get a return on that? If you're renting it to local workers at whatever, a thousand bucks a bedroom, um, maybe not. So it's, you know, there's kind of a, uh, you know, like I said, it's pretty dynamic scene. A lot of crazy financial, you know, successes, success stories and big piles of money that are being threatened by these regulations. So it's kind of a pretty interesting scrap up there that you, when you dive into some of these counties. Jason, you, you wrote about the Summit County group getting together and filing a lawsuit. Walk us through what happened in Pagosa Springs with that lawsuit and, and any possible implications or precedent it might set. Yeah, so in Pagosa, they passed a per-bedroom tax and they kind of made a differentiation in in those uh, rules that kind of separated resident owners and non-resident owners. And a federal judge was pretty quick to say like, wow, we can't do that. So a uh, Colorado district judge, it wasn't a federal judge, uh, December 20. 20- 22 he struck down this this fee on short-term rentals um and the fee which was passed by only 11 votes in the general election in april 22 in bogosa um it established a a, a workhouse worker housing fund with 150 bucks a bedroom monthly fee and the judge basically said there's no connection between short-term rental properties where the owner doesn't live on the property or or lives uh, you know, afar and how that connects to worker housing. So he just basically invalidated the fee. Um, and it, I, that's a similar argument that we're seeing unfold in Slida. And this this could butt up against Tabor Taxpayer Bill of Rights in Colorado, where you have to give voter approval for all new taxes. Yeah, I've been using the word taxes and fees sort of interchangeably here in this conversation, but there is a difference, <laughs> as you know. Um, they're very careful. Municipalities are very careful to not call these taxes. They are fees. Uh, right. So uh, because you can't pass a new tax without voter approval, um, these are fees on on businesses. So so there's taxpayer right, you know, Tabor issues. There are um, this issue of differentiating, um, creating a law that, that sort of favors residents versus non-residents um, and how that may clash with some federal rules that basically, you know, say, we can't have unequal treatment of, of Americans. Um, so there's some highfalutin, you know, legal issues here. There's some state issues here, um, taxation issues. So that, that's kind of what we're starting to see right now. And I think my story kind of sets the stage for what we might see down the road in terms of lawsuits and legal arguments and, you know, de- legal defenses by um, municipalities that are that are going to maybe have step up and uh, 
spend money to defend the all these new regulations, caps, and feeds. JB, last thing for today, you know, because we talk about what's going on, what's going on. We saw the pandemic push, right? And things are starting to come down with the crazy influx of people into the high country, visitors and people moving there, right? But right. do you see it? Do you have a, a feeling either way on how this could might settle down in the next year or so or two years with after the lawsuits and maybe we don't get the big push or do you do you see this kind of continuing to move along until we get some, you know, either hard, fast rules statewide or individually? How, how do you see it playing in the next year or two? Yeah, so I've pulled some uh, data from AirDNA, which tracks short-term rental traffic, um, and there's been a plateau a, and even a downturn in bookings um, this summer compared to previous summer. There's a plateau in uh, last winter compared to the previous winter. So everyone kind of expected that. It's a bit of a market correction, a return to normal after, or after you know, arguably the wackiest two years in Colorado real estate and tourism economy history with pandemic weirdness. So we're sort of settling down on that front. We're seeing a, a return to normal of traffic. Um, and everyone's sort of saying, wow, after this winter, we will be able to say a little more concretely, hey, we are actually seeing a decline in tourism. And this is something that we can attribute to crackdown on short-term rentals. So that's some, it's been an industry line from the get-go that if you tinker with and, you know, and suppress and apply onerous regulations to short-term rentals, you will see this trickle down to your to- tourism economy. Tourism revenues will drop. Lodging taxes will drop. You will see a decline in services and you know a general downturn in these mountain communities from this sort of, uh, 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 you know, heavy handed, treatment of short-term rentals. So that's the industry line. Uh, whereas, you know, the community line is, Hey, we're protecting our community. We've got all these out of towners coming in, spending all these big bucks on houses and releasing them to visitors, not, not locals. Um, so I think we are going to see a slowdown in traffic. It's sort of what, what is already on the horizon. We'll see, but after this winter, I think we'll be able to more closely study how the regulations have directly impacted tourist traffic and, you know, lodging tax revenue and that sort of thing. So then we'll have a much clearer picture and everyone's saying, you know, hey, let's wait for the end of winter. And by the end of next winter, we'll know for sure. Um, you know, hearing from a lot of owners that say, you know, you, they usually have Christmas and holidays are already booked for the coming season um they're not booked right now so there's that sort of delayed booking trend but it's been an interesting um sort of case study to see to to draw a line between all these new rules and uh performance in the tourism industry sector so i think everyone's saying by the end of next winter we should be able to more clearly draw that line Jason, I know we'll be talking about it a lot in between now and next winter, but always good to kind of see, you know, get a roundup and, and a good check-in on, on on how this is going because it does affect so many people within the community as well as the homeowners. So really good stuff. Uh, appreciate the time on a Labor Day. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hopefully you're getting home safe if you're in a low Labor Day weekend trip. 
If you want to read more about the Colorado outdoors, I really encourage you to go to coloradosun.com and click on the outdoors tab there at the top of the page. Also, you can sign up for Jason's weekly outsider newsletter. You can find that at coloradosun.com slash outsider. That's where he kind of set the tone and previewed this story for later this week. Jason, appreciate the time, buddy. Have a great week. Thanks to you guys. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.